This podcast is part of the Treksphere Network. To find more Star Trek-related content, visit treksphere.com. Uh, you know what? I, uh, this is going to be a tough episode, or a very short one, or a very long one. Yeah? Why? Because you have no notes? <laughs> well, so I normally have at least a page worth. Pages worth? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Johnston Pages worth. How are you, sir? <laughs> Um, I normally have a page's worth of notes and I have three notes, maybe three and a half notes on this one. I just, I was so, nothing happened on screen. I was just uncompelled to write anything down. I guess we should start the episode now. (laughs) Hey, so if you're here, you already know that this is the measure of an episode. Uh, but what we do is it is our continuing mission to explore what makes a Star Trek episode a proper Star Trek episode. And not just quality or crappy TV or a pilot where they're trying to understand what exactly they do in this show. Uh, I'm Jonathan. And I'm Paul. And we judge the criteria by which we judge these episodes. Number one, is there science fiction explored in the plot? Number two, is that science fiction novel or unique in some way? And number three... Is there a moral conundrum or a dilemma presented in the episode? And number four, I'm Paul. And number five, I'm Jonathan. And this week, speaking of pilots, we watched the pilot for the original series of Star Trek, uh, which was The Man Trap. And the blurb says, the crew is stalked by a shape-shifting creature that drains the salt from humans. When it is unintentionally brought aboard, Scotty faces a decision. <laughs> Wait a minute. So this is, this is TOS 102, first season, second episode. And there was an episode before this called The Cage, which that wasn't the pilot? Right. That was the episode with Captain Pike. That was the unaired pilot that was, um, was used as a, an episode later, I think, for The Glass Menagerie. I think it was what it was. But why isn't that Where? the pilot? Sometimes pilots don't get aired. Like, why wasn't Well, okay, so it's... It's the unaired pilot. The very first episode ever aired was this episode, Man Trap. Um, and what's interesting is they actually had three or four episodes um, already recorded at this point, um, and they had to decide which one they wanted to use. Um, and so even though this was the first episode ever aired, and so technically, based on the viewers, there was repeat footage from this episode, this episode actually uses footage from the other three episodes as kind of filler. It's such a weird episode to present to the world. This is, this is Star Trek, everyone. <laughs> well, um, yeah. And it, it actually worked out very similar to Dr. Who as in the, the critics really weren't a fan of this episode, but the, the viewers loved it. Nothing really happens in this episode. It starts, it doesn't even start out on the ship. We don't get to see the inside of the ship until later. At least not very much. I think right. we see a little bit of the bridge. We a, a great deal of the opening act, if not all of it, is on this planet in this you know in the um, requisite set, <laughs> outdoor mm-hmm. set with right. the weird background and the red sky, red ground. Yeah, yep, and the odd stones, yeah. styrofoam, stacked yeah. stones, structures. Yeah, yep. And I, it was so bizarre. And the opening log is just this lethargic. It's like Captain's Log. This is James mm-hmm. T. It was just. It felt very <laughs> Captain's Log. Does anybody 13, care? 15.1. It felt right. like it felt like episode nine hundred and fifty-two, where <laughs> they'd been doing this for seventy-five years, <laughs> and then, right? 
it just that's what it didn't feel like anybody wanted to be there. It was very strange, and maybe that was the idea. I mean, I, I think you could argue that a lot of science fiction is very emotionless and doesn't have a lot of not energy but personality. Maybe this. I think that's yeah. that's a good thing. It, this this episode lacked a lot of personality. Right. And yeah, I mean, right off the bat, I mean, the, the one thing that happens the most in this episode is misogyny, and not yeah. not even veiled misogyny, but right. but totally naked naked misogyny, <laughs> which sounds like an episode, doesn't it? The well, naked I mean, misogyny. You know, it- well, so this this then based on our based on our previous comments about the original series, this very clearly establishes Star Trek because you have said repeatedly it is in Star Trek without a little misogyny. It's true, and they set the tone quite well, <laughs> right. quite well. Um, one of the things, like so, so they they start off on the planet, and uh, McCoy runs into the doesn't run into. They're there for this reason. They they meet up with the um, the professor who is on the planet and his wife. Uh, and the already they set up incongruities with this creature because when she shows up to Dr. McCoy, he, she looks as beautiful as the day he saw her or the last time he saw her. And then she turns around to look at Kirk and she looks more age appropriate. And then she turns to look at the other crewman and she's this blonde bombshell. And it's like and nobody sees her change shape in that way. Um, like everybody is seeing her the way they want to see her. And for the rest of the episode, she actually has to change her appearance to be what someone is thinking of. I and didn't get everybody that. sees them that way. I got the impression that they were signaling to the audience that this is how she looks now to this particular character. I don't think she's physically changing shape. Right. Um, I don't like, for example, I don't think that she in, in that opening scene versus when she's on the ship. Or he or it is on the ship. Mm-hmm. We never get a name for what this thing is, I don't think. No, we don't. Yeah. It's but just it, the last of its kind. There will be shots where it changes from form to form when, when this thing is on the ship. And I mm-hmm. didn't get the impression that that was happening physically. That it was just so happening that, okay, this new character who's, who's going to encounter this creature, this is how they're going to be seen. And so I don't, I don't know. I, you're right. It is kind of an incongruity. I don't know how else you'd do it other than just having them be a different character. They had to show the creature changing. Otherwise, especially when the creature is taking form of other crew members that we already know what they look like. So they were in this weird, I I like the other way better where we don't see the transformation. We just see the point of view from, from whoever is looking at them. I don't know Mm. why for Kirk, it would be the same person though. Right. Why wouldn't it just be a big hundred dollar (laughs) bill? Why why would it be a big $100 bill? Because that's obviously why he was doing this episode. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like I – he has never seen Nancy before. He has no memory of her. So it seems strange that she would appear as an older version of Nancy. But for the other crewman, she would appear as this other lady that he had seen a year ago or whatever. Right. Some, yeah, you know. he should be seeing – I got the impression that, that the people are seeing their ideal mate. Oh, how sad for Kirk. I know. Very strange. Or good for Kirk, you know? If he likes women who are wearing uh, a wig usually worn by high school people when they want to play somebody old in a high school play. Well, that and also, maybe that's why he's such a womanizer. He's never found this mild-mannered, older woman. You know, he's always like, well, uh, you're you're hot, so I should probably do this. People are watching, so. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Um 
but so they they come back uh they come back to uh, after the the theme song and Kirk then gives a kind of a recap of the um the teaser but it's presented as a captain's log in retrospect yeah it's a retrospect where everything else is like this is what has been happening (laughs) and this is the one you know where he's like uh we didn't know it at the time but you know we were all seeing seeing the, the same person in different ways that kind of underlines the inconsistencies of logs where usually the logs whether by by any character are usually told as though it's happening right now. We're on the mm-hmm. way to the Polaris system. Right. This is happening. And this mm-hmm. is the only time that I've ever heard it be in the past tense. We didn't right. know that we were seeing three different women. And, right. And here's what happens next. I don't think the log – I don't think he ever does a log, maybe once again, but he never gives information in the retrospective again. That felt like maybe a, a quick fix from the studio perhaps. Mm, maybe. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Through the course of this episode, so basically what happens is uh, this creature who we don't really know what's happening starts killing crewmen. They find dead crewmen with all these things on their face and they eventually find out when they bring these the dead crewmen to the ship, they don't have any salt on their body. They've been completely um, robbed of their salt. Yep. And then we find out that this creature has stowed aboard. Not uh, First of all, Scotty's don't think it is in this episode. Not at all. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yep. <laughs> and... I, it's not an accident that this creature is brought aboard. The, the the creature very intentionally embodies one of the dead crewmen and comes aboard mm-hmm. and starts wreaking havoc and they start looking for it. They're not sure what's going on. They they understand that they go into sort of some sort of weird security alert trying to find yep. this creature and they don't know that it's a shapeshifter. And so that's where – thing. and then eventually the creature embodies McCoy and somehow right. puts McCoy asleep. Somehow? Well, no, didn't put more. No, uh, he he took like one of the red pills that Kirk was telling him to take. Oh, I totally missed that. He's like, well, take one of those red pills you gave me last week. That'll knock you out. And he's like <laughs> I, I continuing s- to snack. <laughs> I saw that part. And it, was, it was funny. Uh, I just didn't see him take the pill. But it was funny that Kirk, like there, there's a female crew member that's just holding the tray for him. <laughs> just waiting. Mm-hmm. He hands the tray off and goes about his business. Uh God, it is so different than how you would see a show ever. I mean, even in Next Gen, that never happened. Mm-hmm. The captain doesn't have a waiter <laughs> right. know, on the bridge. But it also kind of makes sense. You know, be, like if he's if he's captaining the, the ship, he he really shouldn't be going down to the mess hall. Um and you know, unless he's off duty. Um but if he's on duty, he's probably going to have some of the longer shifts because he's the captain and he's always on call. And so it would make sense that every once in a while he would want somebody to bring something. You know, like it happens all the time on on airplanes. The the stewards bring um, bring meals up to the cockpit. So yeah, it seems inappropriate that when you're addressing a crisis on your ship that you don't start enjoying a nice crudite. Casually snacking, right? You know, right. that's also true. <laughs> yeah, they've lost three crewmen so yeah. far, and they know that the being is on the ship at this point, I'm pretty sure. And he's all, where are my carrots? Right. <laughs> I can't think on an empty stomach. <laughs> my beta carotene is very low. Carrots. Right. <laughs> or he's trying to up his sodium intake to be bait. Oh, there you go. Or lower it. I would want to lower go. it to, to make myself, you know. So he's doing burpees on the bridge. <laughs> Everybody follow me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did I did like that as McCoy was falling asleep with um 
with Nancy next to him, like she wiped his brow and then started to lick it it's before. Gross. It's gross. <laughs> I hate it. I mean, obviously they paused sexy? it because he's he's coated in makeup, so there's no way that she would actually put that in her mouth. But I <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this was definitely sex and fear. Lived up to Netflix's. Um, characterization of the Star Trek episodes. Lots of sex, yep. lo- lots of fear. <sighs> I feel so drugged by this episode. Not a lot <laughs> happens. And it's like every scene is is very drawn out and there's a lot of characters looking at each other and not talking. And it just felt as though, okay, they're, they're obviously after an aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And I want to know, we, we, got, we got to have Roddenberry on the, on the show because I want to know, was this, was this intentional or not? You got to admit, it was just it didn't it didn't feel like Star Trek in the sense of boom, boom, boom. Kind of. I mean, I actually felt like it was a little bit more like the, a mystery episode that we watched last time, where there was a little bit more information being presented each time. It wasn't at, it was written it wasn't written as well as some of the later mysteries of the original series, but it was it was fun to watch the alien kind of be one step ahead and in the room with them doing what mccoy would do and kind of knowing that she would also have to either lead them astray or eventually reveal herself or something along those lines um you know but it it was i don't know it it was an original series episode like it was it was slower (laughs) moving um it was there was one main plot, so you know, and it was a longer episode. This episode is like fifty-four minutes, I think. Yeah, it's um, a long, it's a long one. Yeah, and so you know, so there was there was a little bit more of like character establishing without character establishing. Like Sulu was in it, which was pretty cool, um, and not was, at the helm. Yeah, um, you know, so it was. You're right. As like a, a pilot episode, it is a very strange pilot episode because Chekhov's not in it, Scotty's not in it. Um, Spock really isn't who Spock is later on. I will say I think this is a proper Star Trek episode. I felt like they right. they did they did disguise all of the science fiction for into the plot as opposed mm-hmm. to just having a, a moment about the transporter and this is right. how the transporter works and we can take people and put them on they just did it. And right. there's a lot of that throughout the episode where they are introducing you kind of to the world without mm-hmm. introducing you to the world. Right. And so I felt like that was obviously it's novel. We've never seen this before, any of it. Mm-hmm. And and they did a good job doing that. I just felt like the plot at hand wasn't very interesting and also not really well thought out in terms of how these very smart humans would approach it. They know very early on that this alien likes salt. Mm-hmm. And salt is no different in your body than outside of your body. It's not like our bodies make different kinds of salt that <laughs> taste better. Well, right. It was even craving salt from a salt shaker. Yeah. Right. So just put a giant thing of salt in the middle of the place and mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And yeah. call it or just give the give the thing, hey, you can have as much salt as you want. We could you know, we we are in the universe where there's lots of sodium. Right. And, you know, it's a it's an abundant element. So right. uh, I don't I never understood that, that they knew that and they weren't acting on that. Right. I think there was some level of, of what, did they talk about bait? Baiting it? Yeah, they, how they yeah. how they put salt pillars in like every hallway to try and draw it out. Yeah. Why didn't it go for that? All it want it didn't want to kill people. It just wanted mm-hmm. salt. And right. even upon getting the salt tabs, which are those a thing? <laughs> Do those things exist? 
I think so. I mean, we've got salt lakes. I have to imagine that we've got sodium tablets for as well. people, I'm though. Pretty sure. Um, yeah, I, w- I would yeah. think so. I oh, mean, okay. yeah. I, I mean, we get so much sodium anyway from our diet that it's probably redundant. But I, yeah, yeah I, I have to imagine that it's a thing. Anyway, uh, it immediately downs that. So it's not like it finds salt by itself distasteful. Right. So Yeah, like it doesn't need it through the body. Yeah, it just needs salt. Yeah. And I'm sure right. it would prefer not have to suck the life out of out of somebody. I'm sure it prefer just to eat the salt. So I don't know. There, there was that. The fact that it was slow moving. It was a bit of a bizarre villain, I suppose, mm-hmm. for your opener. And it just didn't move a lot. I mean, you're right. It was 54 minutes. Could have been a 30-minute episode. In fact, right. it was at one and a half speed. <laughs> <laughs> and at that point, like, even then, it was plodding along. It, it was, right? Right. But I I don't know. I actually liked the slow pace. Um I, I wound up about halfway through moving it to one and a half speed just because we were we were, we needed to start recording. Um but I I was enjoying the I was enjoying the pace. I, I was I was enjoying the the banter. I mean I was watching it slightly um more retrospective and with a slightly more critical analytical eye as the pilot rather than watching it as just a Star Trek episode. Um, you know, I was trying to see like what exactly they were establishing, who these characters were in the first episode versus how we actually know them. Um, you know, like, uh, B- uh, Bones is called Plum in this episode, which was funny and, and kind of a neat little, you know, character development without having to explain it anymore. You know, he, he like, they don't explain it at all. He's like, yeah, I'm Plum. Like, that's what she called me. That's the end right. of it. Yeah. Um, but it never comes up again. Yeah, the hard part about watching an episode like this is that we cannot extricate our knowledge of Star Trek, the right. 50 years or so of Star Trek. And so we, it's, it's impossible to even watch this knowing that and saying, oh, we didn't know what beaming was. And they just saw mm-hmm. beaming. We can't – it will not have the effect on us that it had at that moment. We can only kind right. of assume, oh, this is interesting. I, I mean I would love to watch this episode with – all of the knowledge eternal sunshine out of my mind just as an experiment right just to see oh how how is how well is this coming across mm-hmm. all of these different cuz they did pack a lot of stuff into this episode you had spock who they didn't have some sort of monologue about how he's supposed to be logical he did talk about being logical in that scene with uhura right which was a neat also like it was it was a neat little moment because Spock and Uhura never really have any moments like that where she's trying to get him to have a fun conversation with him. And he's like, what are you talking about? Like, you are the communications officer and I'm the science officer. Like, there's no reason for us to have idle chatter. And, you know, she's like, well, what about the moon? And he's like, there is no moon. You know, and she, that doesn't surprise me. I know. A great um, line. It was a good line. I like that yeah, line. Yeah. And that was a good exploration of who Spock was. Without right. without the monologue. I, I appreciated that, although it kind of landed flat because I already know who he is. Sure. And so I would have loved to have seen that not knowing who he is and seeing how – just that that is the only novelty of this episode for me is that, gosh, I wish I could watch this for the first time of no, <laughs> knowing nothing about Star Trek. Just to right. see how much information is given to us that is interesting versus would fly over our heads because it's just too much. I do feel like – this episode isn't confusing and it just expects the audience to know what's going on. But maybe it didn't. Maybe that's why critics didn't like it. There wasn't enough explanation of things and 
they felt that it was it, it was too much, you know, or they or they felt that it was too slow. I don't know. My guess is that it it departed from what the normal TV fare was, right? Quite a That's bit. Right. Yeah, they probably felt that the critic the critics probably felt, oh, this isn't like what I'm used to, and so therefore bad. But I the the idea I love the idea that that the fan not the fans but the audience liked it. Mm-hmm. I love the idea that. They subverted expectations of what television is supposed to be, and it worked, right. which is the, the age-old problem of studios not wanting to depart from the norm out of fear of alienating their audiences and audiences always loving when they, mm-hmm. when they depart from <laughs> the norm. Right. Every time. Every single time. And you always wonder how do really great new shows like uh, Breaking Bad, for example, get on the air? Because they do depart so well, or so much. Yeah, breaking. I, I feel like Breaking Bad is probably the the best example. I'm trying to think of other things, but there's there's usually now a new take on a on an expected trope. Like the, really, the only one that we haven't seen is a western. But even there, I would say Firefly. But that's also kind of a take on spacefaring sci-fi. That's both. I mean, Firefly or The Mandalorian is very much a western. Right, but it's Star Wars. Yeah. You know, so it had a built-in fan base. Um, you know, the Orville as well is a is a fresh take on sci-fi and space exploration. Um, you know, it's the Star Trek show that uh, Seth MacFarlane wanted to make. Um, right. But I mean, even even those like I'm I'm coming up with either Star Trek spinoffs or Breaking Bad progenitors. Yeah, it's you know? it, yeah. It, I mean, it it does happen. I mean, even Lost. Right. I was gonna say Lost was groundbreaking, despite yeah. how infuriating it was. <laughs> well, I want to know what was the first when did when did serialized shows, basically nine hour movies, twenty hour movies, mm-hmm. start to be our what we preferred as an audience versus episodic. I feel like right around Lost. Yeah, um, Lost, I, Lost was one like, of them. Um, Lost, uh, Studio sixty. Um, There's another one that I was just thinking of. Uh, Heroes. Heroes was a big one. Yeah. You know, um, like they, they started to, they started to call the episodes, I think even in heroes, you know, they were calling it chapter, whatever. Why was it a man trap? Should be called assault trap. <laughs> uh, assault and battery. Oh, but I feel, I feel Rodgers. like that would have set the wrong tone for the show. If it was a like pun. For the, yeah. yeah. For the very first episode to be a pun title. Assault like, and battery. <laughs> If it becomes an Arrested Development episode. Right. Um, we yeah. we should be safe on the Enterprise. They weren't. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed that you didn't like it. I, you know, I thought I, I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you were distracted or if I was going into it with, you know, more of an idea of like this is an original series episode. So I got to be in that mind frame. That might be what it is. I, I, f- I feel like maybe I just don't like the aesthetic of the original series. Right. I prefer the next gen aesthetic and writing style. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have to say it, it, like we said before, it has all, it meets all the criteria. Mm-hmm. It, it is a Star Trek episode. It is where all of this came from, but I just right. can't get behind it. You know, I just don't, I just didn't like it. Right. And that's fine. You know, you're, yeah. <laughs> we can disagree on whether or not it was a good episode. We just can't disagree on whether or not it was proper Star Trek. <laughs> but at this time we do. Yeah. It, I mean, yeah, it, it, hit, it hit all the criteria. Obviously, it was novel. Um, having a chameleon on the ship is definitely – and the, that being required of the plot is not really something that you can do 
on any episode, even if you did it on like a mystery episode, uh, not a mystery, um, like a, a spy show, you're you're still dealing with science fiction because we don't have anything that could change a person's appearance in that manner, that extreme to the point where they would they thought you were someone else. Well, and you have to we have to take into account that this is the first time that mm-hmm. any of these concepts were used or come up with. Right. The beaming, um, the, the fact, the way that like aliens, Spock, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Vulcans, mm-hmm. all that stuff was, was premeditated. And, and, and regardless of the alien, which you could have a, an alien like this in a fantasy show. Right. It, they didn't really go into the alien very much, except that it was just a monster that was chasing men, apparently, not women. I guess, no, it was chasing women too, but yeah. the woman didn't fall for it. You see? No. It was interesting. Like when she froze, I I was very I was like, why why is she not doing anything? Why is she just sitting there taking it? And then later on they explained that there's something about how this creature works that hypnotizes the person into not fighting back. Oh, they explained that? I was actually gonna I was wondering about that, why Kirk kind of just freezes at the end there. Yeah. Well, because he was talking about how these were able crewmen and you know how like how did they how were they overcome without any kind of resistance. Um, and they said, you know, maybe it does something that it paralyzes. And so, yeah, with Uhura and, um, and Kirk, it showed when it showed them freezing. Um, yeah, that was like, that just demonstrated what they were theorizing. Right. Oh, also it, women don't have any salt in their bodies. So that's another thing. Joke aside, that name makes even less sense. You're right. Because it, it killed Nancy Carter for her salt. And it was going after Uhura for the salt. And I think it might have actually been going after Yeoman Rand until it saw the salt pillar. And then it was just after her for, like, you know, undiluted salt. Right. Right. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, I thought, I thought it was a great episode. What's interesting, though, is this episode is now con- uh, in Star Trek continuity contradicted by Lower Decks. Um, so I'm very curious to know, like, if there was outside canon – um, through novels or something that showed that it was an interstellar race and there were other salt vampires or if that's just a continuity error because they they talked about how she was the last of her kind um and then on lower decks i don't know if you remember that or not but he's on a date with a girl and the um the not the boy protagonist but the girl protagonist she's like yeah that's a salt vampire and the the cocky first officer is like that's not a salt vampire and he turns around and it is one I don't remember that. That was from the episode that we watched? Um, I thought it was, but I also watched the entire series, so it might not have been. Oh, I have yet to do that. Have you watched Picard? Yeah. Nope. <laughs> so we both have, you know, yeah. we both we have, have one to watch and one under our belt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Yes, 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 no, I guess. Yeah. Yes, no, yes, yes. Yes, 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 no. Yep. Yes, no, yes, yes. <laughs> All right, should we see what we're watching next? Yeah, let's do it. The Star Trek Voyager, Season 2, Episode 3, Projections. The program for the emergency medical hologram is activated due to what the computer describes as a ship-wide emergency. See, look at that. I'm already intrigued. I'm already (laughs) ready to go on this. (sighs) Yeah, but it's called Projections, which makes me nervous based on that blurb and, and the title. So, but there is no doubt that we will be disappointed. But at least we're intrigued at this moment. We have this to look forward to. Right. There, there's this one shining moment what? <laughs> before it all gets ruined. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we see we, we're excited about Disneyland not knowing it's going to be thunderstorming the entire time. Yeah. Or it got burned to the ash, you know, burned, <laughs> burned down to the ground. Nothing but ashes. 
Oh, well, I, I guess we can't go. Can we walk around where Indiana Jones was? Just walk in the ashes? <laughs> Close our eyes and imagine. Anyway, I've been Jonathan. And I've been Paul. And this has been The Measure of an Episode. As you knew.